You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Today, we are going to be talking about quick commerce, sometimes referred to as Q-commerce, or rapid grocery delivery, or on-demand delivery, or 10-minute delivery. <laughs> so many different names. I'm going to do my best to stick with quick commerce on today's episode. And I know many of you will already be familiar with the idea of quick commerce, but for those of you who aren't, just a very brief recap. This was a new channel that emerged during the pandemic. It caused a huge amount of disruption. And I think from the public's perspective, there was a general sense of awe that you could order groceries on your phone and then literally within minutes, they turn up on your doorstep. (laughs) Many of us at the time thought this is too good to be true. And those of us in the retail industry very aware of the costs involved in delivering groceries and delivering those perishable items. It's an incredibly capital intensive model. There's a huge amount of cost and a huge amount of complexity when you're delivering groceries. And then to throw in that promise of delivering within 10 to 15 minutes, that puts a huge amount of pressure on a business. And the other problem is there were so many of these new entrants, so many, uh, you know, we had Gettiers and GoPuff and Zap and, you know, they were just popping up out of nowhere. And so we saw this inevitable wave of consolidation. We saw cost cutting. We saw a general scaling back and exiting markets and um, layoffs and, and a general sort of tweaking and adapting of business models in order to survive. There's also been a lot of collaboration, and that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. We're going to be looking at the news that Uber Eats has just announced a new partnership with Getir, the turkey-based rapid grocery player. Now, a little fun fact for you before we move on to the news, Getir in Turkish means to bring. So there you go. But the Uber Eats and Getir partnership is interesting. It's pan-European and how it will work. Well, Uber Eats users will simply have access to over 2,000 Getir products and delivery, again, will be made within a matter of minutes. Now, joining me to dig into this news is George Knott, technology editor at The Grocer. George, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. Now, before we dive into the world of quick commerce, George, do you want to share a few words about yourself and what you do at The Grocer? Sure. So I've been at The Grocer for three years now, and I'm technology editor there, uh, which is a really exciting sort of job, actually. Um, So I cover anything e-commerce, anything in-store technology, um, anything that basically... One of my colleagues thinks this is vaguely te- technological. I'll send it to George's way. Um, so, yeah, any, anything tech. But um, definitely over the past few years, uh, a lot on quick commerce. 
and the uh, the courier guys, the deliveries and Uber Eats and so on. Um, so yeah, I mean, always something to cover, always something new. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's such a fast moving space. It's uh, never a quiet moment, I'm sure for that's you. Right. <laughs> Uh, now, George, I know you covered this piece in an article for The Grocer, which, by the way, was very helpful when I was prepping my thoughts for today's conversation. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, perhaps just for our listeners, you can um, just talk us through the Uber Eats, get to your news in a little bit more detail. So what is the logic behind this collaboration? And more generally, what are these businesses looking to achieve? Sure. So Getir, as you know, is, is the uh, the dark store player, the rapid grocer and their whole model is um uh, keep goods in sort of dark stores in little warehouses close to where lots of people live and they have their own app and their own couriers to uh when someone orders it they'll fulfill it um and as quick you know in about 20 minutes or so uh and uber eats obviously is the huge um huge platform for everything food uh, and they've been moving more into grocery definitely since the pandemic um sort of beyond your takeaways uh struck up partnerships big supermarkets um and have their couriers delivering so the, these these are sort of they definitely were very competitive business models i mean this is um Gittier. definitely when they they um first arrived they were sort of the the uber eats killer almost um and now they've uh, struck a partnership. And how, how it works is so um, you're an Uber Eats app user. You go on and Gitir basically appears like a, a shop front, same as your local convenience store or supermarket would. You can see their selection. You order. Uh, the difference is in, in this case is it's Gitir's couriers um, actually for, uh, bringing it to your door, um, unlike unlike other sort of grocers on Uber Eats. Um, so yeah, why why have they come together? I mean, from Gatier's point of view, um, obviously the shop front of Uber Eats app is is huge, and um, you know, in huge multiple multiple times more users than they could dream of, really. Um, so there's that. Um, and from Uber Eats' point of view, I mean, it's like, why not? Like this, I think from Uber's point of view, it's like this is another store on our app. Great, like, fun. Just more choice for the customer, right? Yeah, yeah. Why I mean, not? As no, you say, they get their commission. They don't have to worry about actually delivering it. Sure, like, yeah. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer from an Uber Eats perspective, and yeah. I guess from a Get Tears perspective, I think it is really interesting. And I like the phrase they were initially you know, designed to be an Uber Eats killer <laughs> because uh, I've written an article, I've written, you know, various pieces about quick commerce. And I think something I was initially, re- when I was talking about the, you know, the arrival of the Getiers and the gorillas and Zaps yeah. and I can't even remember. I mean, there's been so much consolidation in this sector. It's hard to keep up with who's still around, but, yeah. you know, kept saying that they were disrupting the disruptors by yeah. trying to take, you know, 20, 30 minute delivery and, doing that in 10 15 minutes and um obviously we know there's been a kind of quick commerce boom and bust which maybe we'll get into in a little bit more more detail later in the conversation but i guess do you think just to kind of ask sort of just to kind of address this point early on in the conversation do you think we need 10 15 minute delivery or do you think that from a customer's point of view and also from a 
business's point of view, trying to manage the cost because we know that this is not <laughs> this is a, a capital intensive business model. Um, do you think that maybe if we'll be settling on more kind of a thirty minute delivery rather than ten? Do you think that's more achievable? Yeah, well, the, the sort of the thing that none of these rapid groceries grocers say anymore is actually that ten fifteen minutes isn't really ten fifteen minutes anymore. It's that was their USP at the start, and it's mm. definitely drifted. And we're now talking like twenty twenty five minutes. When they when they launched, they were all about that that sort of getting that number as as low as you could, um, and that was what made them exciting and what made people think. Well, look, you know, Uber Eats delivery thirty five minutes that seems slow versus ten minutes. So they've all they've all sort of drifted out up. At the same time, delivering Uber Eats are sort of like ratcheted down. So there's some sort of meeting in the middle, um, you know, around twenty to thirty minutes. Um, do consumers need it? It's tougher. Like, what's what's ten minutes really? Like, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like. Uh, the the sort of the big use case of the rapid grocers was always um well two 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 moments. So there's like uh late night you need nappies. Fine. Like I get that. Um and Crisis. Ten, yeah, like ten minutes <laughs> you would need it break, now. maybe maybe a bit of difference. Yeah. Um and the other one was like, all right, so you're cooking dinner and your pasta's on and uh everything's warming up and you've oh I've not got this spice that you need. Uh, you get it. I'm not so convinced by that one, really. Like, definitely when I'm cooking, if I haven't got something, I'll work around it. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. What is what is ten minutes? Like, um, I don't know. I think twenty five minutes is fast enough for most people. Like, mm. it's still probably quicker than you could nip down your local corner shop. So if that's still the case, then, you know, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference. Uh, and besides, you know, 10 minutes isn't really available in reality anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, it is interesting to think about what shopping missions they were initially catering to. And I think you hit it right on the head. It's that kind of crisis shopping mission. Mm. Um, also food to go and maybe to a lesser extent. Um, top-up shopping because when you think about it from a grocery e-commerce perspective we've for a long time we've been able to do that weekly shop online but we could never do that top-up shop online and and that's sort of where as we've seen in the past decade you know obviously the convenience stores the Sainsbury's locals the Tesco Express stores you know they they served a purpose there uh, increasingly the discounters were filling that role of that top-up shop but I think it is interesting how all of these disruptive brands came in and thought, hang on, you know, let's bring this top-up shop into the the digital era and let's see what we can do. So, so yeah, really interesting. It's just the huge, incredible cost that comes with it, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, it. I mean, like you got, uh, I mean, all the rapid graces, they've spent so much on marketing, like ridiculous amounts. Like they, you know, they sponsor football teams, like it's crazy. Um, they're probably regretting those sort of big deals that they made in the heady days of 2021 now. But um, and and sort of it's sort of symbolic that now they've they're going on Uber Eats because obviously they you know they can tap that marketing and their brand presence and so on rather than the expensive work of trying to build it themselves. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think in Gettier's case, as, as we've seen with, you know, a lot of these businesses that have, have kind of uh, gone through that boom and bust cycle, they, they're they undergoing, you know, massive layoffs globally. They have exited, uh, let's see, they've exited Italy, Spain, Portugal, France. And interestingly, this partnership with Uber Eats is actually being described as a pan-European partnership. And they have confirmed that they'll be launching in Germany and the Netherlands, which I think are two markets where both Uber Eats and Gettier currently operate. So, so that makes sense. And it's a it's kind of quick win there. Um, but I'm curious to get your views on this. Do you think, you know, we're seeing, you know, months after, literally just a few months after the announcement of exiting some of these key European markets, they're now committing to Uber Eats. So do you think this is a more sustainable, financially sustainable way to um, to move forward? Do you think collaboration is really the way forward for these guys? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a tough one. You could you could see this new, I mean, and it's not just Gatir, um on Uber Eats. I mean, GoPuff's on Deliveroo, uh, GoPuff's on Uber, Zap is on both as well, Gatir are a partner with Just Eat. So this is like a, a trend. You could see it as, I mean, possibly like a bit of an existential crisis and that mm-hmm. you know if you're you're if you ju- you're just a shop front on uber eats you're essentially the same as a convenience store uh, obviously you're a dark store so there's advantages and disadvantages there um so you know what what are you now if if you don't expect customers to have to use your app um you know in some cases they are leveraging the sort of Uber Eats and Deliveroo's own couriers. So, you know, you're essentially just a warehouse that's on on one of these much bigger courier platforms. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it, it makes sense. It makes good sense to, yeah, tap the huge customers of the bigger platforms. Um, but I think they perhaps risk, like, what are they for? You know, why not? Why even? Ex- why even have your own app? You know. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a tricky one for them. It is. I agree. I think it is a little bit of an existential crisis because I'm just thinking from a customer's point of view. If I'm going on to Uber Eats and I have the choice of Tesco, Sainsbury's, Co-op, ASDA, Waitrose, Iceland, these are all brands that are on Uber Eats. Yeah. What's going to make me choose Get Here? What's going to make me choose GoPuff? Especially, you know, you go onto Uber Eats because you need it now. So if, if you have access to all of these well-known brands who have a very clear value proposition, right? You know what Waitrose is about. You know what Iceland is about. So I just, I don't know. I struggle to really, really see whether or not they have enough brand equity to exist on a platform like Uber Eats. I, I don't know. Yeah, Suppose. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the other thing with Uber Eats and Deliveroo is it's really easy uh say you need milk you search for milk and it's really easy to compare uh prices like um oh okay that's interesting you can can see where milk you know milk in that's close enough you know i can buy it from there there or there um so they've sort of led themselves down this path of having to be really price competitive which when you're offering 10-minute delivery, that whole thing, like, you know, people pay for that convenience and fair enough. Um, but now they're, I mean, and they are trying, like Gitir and GoPuff, I think, um, are both 
price matching sort of Tesco Express stores and um, I think more recently Tesco Superstores. Um, a very sort of tricky thing for them to continue, um, obviously because they're losing margin and, and the rest of it. Um, so yeah, it's it's sort of it's made you know they gain customers, they gain volume, but they do perhaps erode their own margin there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of a race to the bottom then, isn't it? Especially considering that, I mean, to a certain extent, I think consumer demand has dried up for this kind of service. Like comparing where we are now to where we were in the pandemic, where we really relied so heavily on grocery commerce. Yeah. But also fun- funding is dried up as well. So, and those two are linked, of course. But Yeah. I mean, the other uh, thing, sorry to add, No, the, you go ahead. Go ahead. The other one was like, I mean, the... Gitteer, for example, they their wholesaler is the same as Co-ops, and Co-op provide a lot of like own label products to them. GoPuff um, are working with Morrison's on lots of own label products as well. So it's sort of like, well, it, the, what is there? You know, their range isn't that special. It's just a sort of normal range with um, a lot of products from supermarkets. So again, like why why shop at a Gitteer or GoPuff store versus just directly with a supermarket. I mean, to their credit, Zap, which is a, definitely a much smaller player, but, um, you know, doing okay in the UK, they've said, all right, well, we're the sort of luxury high-end. Um, so you can get, like, you know, I think, like, Louis Vuitton handbags and Moet and Chandon and, and that and Apple iPhones. Really? Zap. Yeah, so that makes sense. Wow. That's like, okay, well, that's a... That's a thing, like that's a something perhaps the others don't offer, but um, yeah, and you need that just... urgently within twenty. I I don't understand oh. that. That's <laughs> oh, okay. a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. if there's a yeah, champagne at short notice, it's never a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very niche, but there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Okay, yeah, I think it is interesting just how Uber Eats has sort of become. I don't know. It seems like they're sort of becoming the platform of choice. And I just wonder if other retailers, you know, it's kind of, a, I guess it's a little bit like, you know, observing more and more retailers get comfortable selling on Amazon's platform where in the beginning it's like, oh, you know, we're frenemies. I don't want to go there. And then as it starts to build scale and it becomes the place where your shoppers are, then, you know, that kind of attracts more retailers so so yeah it's interesting but then on the topic of amazon actually is interesting um and i know you cover this as well that amazon finally launched on deliveroo and of course they've got minority stake in deliveroo so there's a lot happening in this space you know i i mean having not been keeping up to it on a daily basis i i kind of came at it and did a little bit of digging and i was surprised that to see that it's still you know it's still going this whole rapid grocery delivery um, sector and there's it's it's obviously had to adapt a lot <laughs> to changes in, in how we shop but um I guess I guess my question to you is do you think that the response from traditional supermarkets has been enough because we've seen them go on to Uber Eats but we're also seeing Tesco for example expand its its whoosh its own grocery uh, rapid grocery delivery service so wh- what do you make of the traditional supermarket response to to this trend? Yeah, I think at, um, at first when sort of rapid grocery came about, I mean, and probably from, you know, journalists like me sort of trying to make it into a bit of a, you know, head-to-head sort of thing. But um, I think they sort of, you know, viewed it with, 
curiosity and uh, I mean of course uh, all this time like through the pandemic the, the supermarkets had already gone on to deliver and Uber Eats um, you know because they couldn't provide the, the slots during the pandemic and so on and those partnerships continued so um, they they sort of get the value of you know app-based shopping I guess and um, yeah and then introduced their, their own I mean for every Tesco whoosh there's you know similar projects that have started and stopped um they it's it's a tough one like it is hard like if they don't have their own network of riders you've got or couriers you've got to build that um you know the whole fulfillment piece is tricky but tesco are doing great and there's some research you know um most whoosh orders arrive within like around between 20 and 30 minutes anyway so you know, it's. I think initially it was like one hour was the pro, the the time promise. That's come down. Um, you got Ocado Zoom, which sort of is hitting similar sort of time. Um, but it's easier to go on go on a delivery or Uber's. Um, you know, the riders are there. You just have to pick from store. Um, it's very simple. Obviously, you lose that commission. Um, but if you're, you know tapping customers that maybe wouldn't shop at tesco.com then you know it's no, no bad thing really um so and at the same time you, you know you've got morrison's and waitrose that have gone in partnerships with delivery hop which is sort of delivery's own dark store based rapid grocery thing um so and that's that's sort of different in that it's you know they're sort of the supplier to you know it's more like a, a, a true partnership rather than just being on on the delivery app um so yeah that's that's sort of an easy way for them to play in the space as well um and seems to be doing i mean that they waitrose and morrison's are sort of keep opening um hop dark stores so it must be going pretty well for them um i mean there are there are there's sort of benefits for them as well as the sort of volume is you know morrison's or waitrose it's quite difficult to reach that perhaps some inner city areas if you haven't got stores if retail space is expensive um you can sort of more easily tap those demographics that you might not otherwise reach so um a good play for them and worth worth obviously the commission loss um so yeah i think i think supermarkets are are, are playing in the space they're doing it cautiously but you know they didn't they didn't sort of jump on the hype train and try to do too much too soon um, I mean, Tesco did partner with Gorillas, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> but that, that that sort of project ended, and no doubt they took the learnings from that to apply to Woosh. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's it's sort of easier for them now to to enter rapid grocery through partnerships um, rather than thinking we need to build our own gear. <clears throat> yeah. That makes sense. And as you say, yeah, they, they will have learned a lot and taken that and, you know, moved it on to the next thing as as uh, retailers <clears> have <throat> learned to, you know, become so agile in recent years. Hmm. Well, I'm just curious around, it's, it's so interesting what you're saying about how it just shows how much experimentation there still is um, in the market. But we've clearly seen a deceleration in grocery e-commerce growth. And I think <laughs> some of those pandemic habits have come undone. So. I guess to some extent, 
this has been driven by the cost of living crisis and the need to find better value, which of course in super in grocery that happens in stores rather than online. Mm. Um, but do you think this is perhaps a sign of a, a more permanent return to the store? Yeah, I mean that that is the big question, isn't it? And I don't, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Um, it's tricky. I mean, uh, stores are sort of trying to be. They're, they're more fun places to visit now probably than they had been previously like although you know lots of concessions have closed um and so on and supermarkets are, like thinking about things like you know other reasons to visit the store like cafes and clothing ranges and that sort of thing rather than just to go and get your your food but um yeah well it, it's sort of like will it survive when, when the cost of living crisis is over whenever that might be um will people think more you know be more willing to pay a bit more on a delivery fee or you know higher prices online um i don't know i don't know i think surely the sort of macro trend is more online surely um and you know rents for stores will always increase so um yeah i think I think the biggest issue is supermarkets haven't really nailed how to make online delivery profitable. Um, so, you know, through the pandemic, it was, well, this is something, a service we need to offer. Now it's like, why are we trying to encourage people to do this? It's much better if they come into the store. You know? Yeah. Yeah. During the pandemic, they had to divert their shoppers to their least profitable channel. So yeah. I think they're, yeah. they're happy when people come back to stores. So yeah, yeah. it is interesting. I mean, the other one is the discounters. I mean, they, they don't have as big an online presence as the others. So, you know, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like they will soon. Um, they've no real good reason to, I don't think. But And Aldi's yeah. actually rolling back on its click and collect service. I know they've, yeah. um, they've stopped doing that in a, a number of stores. So, I mean, maybe that's, again, a sign that it's just, it costs too much to, to offer this kind of service. And it's not an integral part of their offering. You know, people go to LD, I won't say for low prices, but but value, you know, yeah. quality is a core component as well. Yeah. And increasingly convenience, you know, they're moving more into automation and uh, self-checkout. And I think in the Netherlands, they've just, um, they're trialing scan and go. I think it's okay. the Netherlands. I'd have to double check that. But they're definitely experimenting with technology. But as you say, the economics of grocery e-commerce are a whole different ball game. So. It's uh, not easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just a couple more points. I, I, I want to. I just kind of wanted to share with listeners. I love this quote. It's a couple years old now, but uh, this quote from Getier's, uh managing director here in the UK says that what they're doing is they're democratizing the right to laziness. Now there is a whole <laughs> cohort of, of people who think that quick commerce is just just represents this sort of dystopian future where we never need to leave our sofa again and everything just sort of turns up on our doorstep. But I guess then there's another cohort of people who think, actually, this is just the reality of living in this on-demand era today. And uh, I mean, a phrase I used in the past was the, the milkman for the digital age. So I'm curious to get your views. Where do you sit? Do you think, uh, do you think this is very, this is our dystopian future playing out right in front? Right before our eyes. Yeah. Well, the, the, I, so I spoke to Gitir really early on and sort of talking about use cases and 
one they spoke about was the sort of gamer who had was you know in the middle of a two hour i don't i'm not a computer gamer so i don't know but uh <laughs> In the middle of it, like you know, a tournament, they didn't want to take their eyes off the screen, but they wanted some Doritos or whatever. They, you know, and they, yeah, that's sort of slightly dystopian, isn't it? But you know, retail <laughs> it gets more convenient, and you know, there was a time when we'd have to go to the greengrocer, then the butcher, you know, then we had supermarkets, and now we have delivery, and and why not? Like it, it, it should get more convenient. Um, online is a lot more convenient. Um, so yeah, and it should, you know, things should, will, you'd hope like get delivered faster and faster. Amazon obviously changed the sort of set the standard on that. Um, delivery and Uber Eats, you know, have made, set that expectation for food delivery. I think that rapid grocers didn't quite reset the expectation to 10 minutes. I think 35, 20, 35 minutes is about right. Um, yeah, it's it's not dystopian. It's it's okay. Progress. Yeah, it's soft. Yeah. We're, we yeah. are, we're getting more lazy and why not? That's yeah. what technology's for, isn't it? That's, it is, it is. Promise, it's about, but, yeah. yeah, giving customers the choice, right? Yeah, right. So whether you want to be lazy or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on was, uh, it's this, I think, relatively new, just in the past couple of weeks, um, something that Uber Eats announced and i'm putting you on the spot here because we didn't talk about this before so uh we'll see we'll see how we go um but they announced that they are launching and maybe you've already heard about this um they're launching a new ai powered conversational shopping experience those are their words so just interested i'm going to just read a little bit more about what this is and then interested to get your thoughts because this definitely seems to be the way that things are moving um in terms of you know AI powered chatbots, I know Instacart's got their Ask Instacart feature, and Carrefour in France has uh, also rolled out a similar initiative. So um, the Uber Eats one's interesting. Uh, so they say that later this year, consumers can chat with an AI assistant to explore new dishes and cuisines, to find deals on popular restaurants, and to easily reorder favorite meals to help save money and time. It will also help consumers meal plan, find sales on grocery items, and quickly order ingredients for their favorite recipes while sticking to a budget. So, yeah, do you think, I mean, I guess as more and more supermarkets come onto platforms like Uber Eats, I guess it becomes more important for them to stay on top of these latest technologies and continue to enhance and personalize that customer experience. So putting you on the spot here, George, just curious to get some final thoughts on AI and uh, and quick commerce. Yeah, I mean, it's it's whether that is a more convenient, better UX way to order food, and it it might be for some people, and it might not be for others. I mean, when you go, if you you know Friday night, you're ordering a takeaway, you sort of know what you're after. You might browse a bit. But you're going to pick usually, you know, the same one of the five things that you have, you know, all the time. Um, so to converse with an AI and say, oh, you know, I fancy something <laughs> spicy. You know, I don't think people quite work that way. Things like, um, you know, I want this type of meal. I'm allergic to these things, um, that sort of thing. Like that's a more, more interacting with the product um, rather than having to like, 
scroll and check out details. I think that's that's pretty positive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same as like you know, do people order shopping on their Amazon Alexa or Siri or I don't know? Like, it's it's a fairly it's it's sort of I think it's still a, a bit gimmicky stage at the moment. Um, there is definitely for for generative AI like a huge opportunity I think for food platforms in terms of um I mean I speak to Deliveroo they're sort of thinking about um items that don't have a picture so you know a certain meal at a restaurant doesn't have a picture can we generate an image that sort of does look like what that would look like um because images you know people click more and buy more foodstuffs with with pictures things like that interesting yeah um so i think that's more uh more interesting but definitely for sort of interrogating sort of sort of product details i think it could be a good thing but yeah you know i don't think we're at the change the world stage at the moment (laughs) still early days (laughs) yeah fantastic well listen george thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure chatting with you And to our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about George and his work at The Grocer, he is very active on social media, and I will be sure to post some links in the show notes. That's all for today. Take care. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.